0: you could unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash-out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you could unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 833-8ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started.
1: Rocket. Rates current as a 12, 12 Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. And consumer access. Not over 3030. Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information.
0: With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo
2: 50. We will make Bible, America great again. Sam Sorbo. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Sam Sorbo Show. All right, so. I have a couple things to talk to you about. Basically, we've got California that's looking to detract, sorry, detract math, which is funny because it sounds like detract from math, which is really what they are doing, but they're calling it detracking. And wait till you hear what that's about. There's also a fun story in the news that I have to share with you because it's about. My beloved manatees. I do love manatees. So I'm excited about that. But before we get into all of that, I have to share this. This is a, off of a tweet and, um, I have to share this with you because somebody tweeted that, um, is it, do you think maybe now is time to pull your kids out of school? Like because of this, this tweet. So I'm going to turn this around so you can see it because this is how we do things here. And I'm going to read this to you. You see, there's a picture of a banana and a cucumber and a carrot. Okay. And I'm going to read the caption because. Yeah. I can't. I have no words. Like it's really quite frightening. This is, this is homework. Okay. This is sexual health module page 51 from the Adolescent Health Working Group for ninth and eleventh grades, okay, and it's uh, a person who apparently is sort of standing at a blackboard, but they're discussing this very crucial educational question: What if you don't have time or money to buy sex toys This is a crucial educational question this is a question that people have been pondering over the millennia. What if you don't have time or money to buy sex toys? And here are their suggestions. Cucumbers, carrots, and bananas with the peel. Make great dildos. Just remember to use a condom. This is what passes for education in our schools. I'm, it's not hyperbole for me to say no child should be left in public school. That's it. I, I, the, okay. Now, California is looking to detrack math classes. This is in their quest for racial equity. Okay. So I'm going to take this apart a little bit. They start in this article. By the way, this is off of um, Washington Post. They start with this question and they're trying to give this like a fair shake. Like this, this could be a good idea. What, what could be behind this? Maybe there's some really great thought behind, right? Can honors and regular students learn math together? A new approach argues yes. And a new approach because why? Because the old approach doesn't work. D-tracking aims to prove math education for all aims to improve math education for all while reducing racial segregation in classrooms. Yeah, this is all about racism because math is racist, haven't you heard? So they're trying to unravel the racist segregation that happens inside schools by basically refusing to teach advanced students advanced mathematics in a bid for racial equity between the, between the students. Uh, let's see here. Where some see a long overdue reckoning with systemic racism, others see an unsettling and overly broad focus on matters of race and a threat to children who are succeeding in the current system. Yeah, you think? Because parents of gifted and talented students, well, now their students are going to be um, labeled as racist for advancing beyond other students. Why? And by the way, the reasoning here is terribly, terribly racist. They argue that the black and colored, the, 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 the um, non-white children are getting left behind, in, disproportionately. And here's the thing, that may be true because most inner city schools can't hold a candle to the suburbs, right? And most inner city schools are the black and brown children and suburbs tend to skew white. And that's just the way that it is. And the money's where the money is. And so the teachers go where the money is because that is, frankly, that's just human economics, But it says here, a recent research from Southside High found that detracking led more students to take advanced courses later in high school with overall scores in those classes rising or staying flat, rising or staying flat, rising or staying flat. So they pull kids out of the advanced studies and then other kids excel and some don't. Like, I'm not quite sure why this is an issue. Hi, and welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. I have a story that you are not going to believe, but you have to believe it because we are at war. And it's a war on innocence, as the title of this article in City Journal brings up that I want to talk to you about. Um, Before I do, I have some exciting news. I've got uh, a homeschooling Seminar conference scheduled now for June 24th and 25th. Check samsorbo.com for more information and also join the community there. Um, uh, If you just look on samsorbo.com and look under uh, my portfolio, you'll find the underground education community, which is a nonprofit uh, that I've set up and also just just an online community for people to exchange information and talk about. The education of their children. Uh, You've heard me talk about how um, our education, you know, quote unquote, education system does not actually engage in education. And so that really leaves parents high and dry because they've been raised with the idea that if they just um, turn their children over to the system, the system will take care of educating them. Yeah, maybe imperfectly, but at least They think that there's some value in it. And and I'm, and I'm now saying it's not that there's no value in it. It's that there's a negative value in what they do to children in our education system. And the proof of it is what we see every day in the culture, frankly. If you think that the perversion of children happens somehow just via the media and Hollywood, or via some one individual perhaps who takes advantage of a, of a young child or something like that. You're, you're sorely mistaken. It's, it's, it's systemic in the sense that it comes at them from all angles. And those angles actually at times conspire against young children and so according to this article in City Journal, which is by Christopher Rufo, who um, I'm a I'm a big fan of his, um, the article is called The War on Innocence, and it talks about a Kentucky summer camp. It's a summer camp in Kentucky. What could possibly go wrong? It's just a summer camp for kids uh, that teaches sex liberation,
2: BDSM, and self-pleasure. For minors. So he starts the article by talking about the social order. He says the principles of queer theory
0: have escaped from the college campus. And they've made their way into a summer camp for children in rural Kentucky. Last year, this is a nonprofit coalition that calls itself Sexy Sex Ed it organized a series of, quote, sexy summer camp events that target minors, including lessons on sex liberation, gender exploration, BDSM, which is bondage, dominance, and sadomasochism, just to be clear, also being a sex worker, self-managed abortions, and sexual
2: activity while using illicit and licit drugs. How to to do your drugs and have sex.
0: It's the brainchild of uh, someone named Tanya Turner, who is otherwise, she, she calls herself this, a femme, fat, queer, magical pleasure worker. This is who you want teaching your children, your young children. She says she was raised by a host of witchy women in a coven-like mountain
2: matriarchy. They used crystals and sex toys and tarot in her teaching, tarot cards. So she founded this Sexy Sex Ed program in
0: 2012. She's run dozens of events all across the Appalachian region, And she recruits for the LGBTQ uh, among youth. She works with a number of regional philanthropies, including the Foundation for Appalachian, Kentucky. And by the way, there's another story that I want to get into that deals with
2: the repercussions of this kind of thing. Because this isn't just a one-stop shop. This, this is the formation of something that's greater. This is
0: feeding a, a larger beast, if you will. Sexy summer camp is to teach teenagers and people of all ages to openly discuss personal and political consent. What is, I know personal consent, what is political consent? Sexual safety and anatomy. That's that's how they build themselves. It sounds fairly somewhat innocuous, except that it's called Sexy Summer Camp. So already I'm like on edge. They're euphemisms, obviously, that obscure uh, what, the, what the actual mission of the camp is, what the actual mission of the founder is. And it's, you know, I got to get that book out again. Uh, there's a book written by Tammy Bruce called The Death of Right and Wrong. And in the introduction, I think, or the foreword um, that she wrote, she tells her story. She she was seduced as a young woman by another woman. Um, she was targeted. She was, uh, I believe she was still underage, although I can't, I don't recall exactly. Um, and she she didn't believe that she was being abused at the time. Um but what and then, as you probably remember, Tammy Bruce rose to the ranks, rose through the ranks at uh, National Organization for Women, um, and she became the head of the chapter for California, which is which is a very high degree, a high level. And over time, she realized that the mission was not to free people from their struggles, it was to join people into the struggle. It was to ger- convert people into the brokenness, but not heal the brokenness. And she goes into that in, in the forward t- or the introduction to her book. And uh, I'll tell you, the, when I read it years ago, it was life-changing. I have not forgotten it. I tell her, when I see her, I always manage to tell her about it again. It's changed my life.
2: And this, of course, this is one of the struggles, is is typically anything that has a cause that it seeks to resolve has a limited interest in actually resolving
0: the issue. Because once the issue is resolved,
2: it loses its reason for being. This is a struggle. That we have to recognize, there's a conflict of interest
0: in any organization that seeks to resolve
2: an issue. There's a conflict of issue, uh, a conflict of interest in resolving that same issue. So, um, to continue with this story in
0: uh, City Journal, the War on Innocence. Uh, we're talking about the mission of these sexy summer camps, sexy sex ed camps, I should say. And uh, the the author, Christopher Ruffo, did some research and looked at what was publicly available on the organization's calendar. And he said that it, it reads like the syllabus from a radical queer theory
2: seminar. So the sessions that they're offering young people at a Kentucky camp summer camp included sex with me pleasure workshop sex sorry sex
0: with me self pleasure workshop gender diversity
2: let's talk about sex sexy trans sex ed the 3p's p Poop and pleasure, sex on drugs, and eugenics in Appalachia. I I don't know. Are there are there adequate words for this? Um. He he mentions that, of course, you know, in liberal
0: colleges, we've come to ex- sadly, we've come to expect this kind of thing. We've seen it enough. We know, that we, we know that that is going on on college campuses. In fact, that's why many of us are hesitant about sending our children to a college campus, any college campus, frankly. Um, but this is a program that's recruiting children as young as age 13. They want to discuss with these children, these young children, graphic sexual practices,
2: with instructors and adults, co-participants in their 30s and 40s. This is underage, non-consensual sex acts. Like this used to be just patently against the law. There used to not be, there was no discussion about this. But when they term it education, Somehow, it just sort of gets a pass. I don't think so. It's it's
0: child abuse. The camp organizers have admitted that they target vulnerable youth, including foster children. Yeah, who already are at high risk of sexual abuse. And in a video, the founder said, "Quote: Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all
2: ages. All ages." As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. As soon as they could talk. She was encouraging them. I, I just, you, you, you the, the world's gone insane.
0: CNN has reported that sexy sex ed is, quote, what women in Appalachian, Kentucky really want. They framed the summer camp as a way to, quote, bring honest conversations to young people to fill the void left behind by
2: homes and schools. Why is that void even a thing? I'll tell you why. It's because we ceded the ground. We relinquished the ground, the territory, by dropping our kids off at school.
0: Then being convinced that the school was a proper area for the discussion of sexual issues called sex ed. Oh, it's for their safety. It's, they have to be told this because what if they don't learn it elsewhere?
2: Right. And then the schools turn it over. I'm just it's it's all part of the quote comprehensive sex education and if you think your children aren't getting that in school then i don't then i don't know what i then i can't tell you anything this is the culture today and the culture is geared against the innocence of children it seeks to rob children of their childhoods and their innocence And well, I suppose there'll be more on that later because this is an ongoing thing. I've got, I've got
0: a couple more stories for you as well. So stay tuned if you're listening on radio on YouTube and Rumble and also go check out locals.com, uh, locals.com slash sorbos, sorbos.locals.com, uh, because I do post extra videos over there if you subscribe to our community there. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Uh, I have a couple articles to talk to you about. This is more of the transgender craze that is infecting our schools. And uh, I will say that I'm kind of encouraged by it because I think that the more that this happens, the more people will wake up and say, well, that's not education. And I don't know what I think I'm doing, putting my children in that environment. Uh, And that's what I'm hopeful for
2: because you don't need school. That's it. You just, you don't need it. You don't need it for an education.
0: Your children don't need it. You don't need it as a babysitter. Uh, you just don't need it. By the way, uh, I have a conference coming up. Very excited about it here in South Florida. It'll be in Port St. Um, And that's just north. Uh it's a bit of a drive north of Fort Lauderdale, but I think that might be the closest airport. Um, although Orlando might also be close. Uh uh June 24 and 25. It's the evening uh, the Friday evening and then all day Saturday. Very excited about it. Had um had a planning session yesterday, and we're getting a lot of stuff prepared. And um, uh, very excited about it. I'm getting great sponsors in line as well. So uh, it's a lot of work, but I, I know that it's going to be worth it in order to save our children. Uh so don't don't forget, go join the underground education community and check out what's going on over there. All right, so this is a story about a Christian teacher who's suing a school board. You will never guess what for. Uh this Christian teacher in Kansas suing the school board, the superintendent, and the principal. She alleged she alleged alleges that she was suspended wrongly, and she doesn't like the suspension. Um, so let's talk about the uh, this is by the way off of a Breitbart.com article. On April 7th of 2021, so roughly a year ago, allegedly this teacher, Ms. Rickard, called one of her students "Miss" in order to get her attention. A different classmate emailed this teacher, Ricard, after class, informing her of the student's different first name and new he, him pronouns. The following day, Ricard addressed the student by
2: her last name, avoiding using pronouns entirely. But the same classmate got frustrated and wrote her a note to the teacher. And the note said, his pronouns are he, him. And if you can't
0: act like an adult and respect him and his pronouns, then prepare yourself to deal with his mother, since you can't be a decent human being and respect him. All you're doing right now is showing that you're
2: transphobic and don't care that you're being visibly transphobic. Here's what's fascinating to me about this. It's very, very poor grammar. there's no punctuation
0: well there's there's one there's two there's two uh periods, but there's terrible punctuation mistakes, and no all the contractions have no punctuation um but also prepare yourself to deal with his mother like I'm threatening that someone else is going to be upset and come talk to you like what's that about so a couple of days go by and um ricard went and talked to uh school officials um and then later that same day the district put her on a three-day paid suspension while the school officials were planning to investigate any possible violations of school board policy. That's according to the complaint. But once she returned from the suspension, the school reprimanded her for allegedly violating school board policies. They also ordered her to use the student's new, excuse me, new name and pronouns. She signed the reprimand, but she also hand-wrote on it, I do not agree with this. But see, it doesn't matter if you don't agree. You're not
2: entitled to your opinion. You work for the school. That's why Christian teachers are tremendously compromised when they work in
0: public schools because they don't get freedom of conscience
2: when they're working inside the public school. Like this teacher, she doesn't, she's not allowed to have her own religion. She must adopt the school's religion. So they had a closed board hearing. They
0: um, a- allegedly they denied her request for specific accommodation and a policy that would allow her to continue to address students by their names while refraining to use any preferred pronouns at all. And the school had suspended her in April, but she also claims that the school had no formal policy. They suspended
2: her for uh, 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 disobeying the formal policy, but they had none at the time. Then they put one in afterwards. Leftists always get tripped up on their own feet because they have two left feet. How was it that? Bad joke. Um, So she is quoted as saying this, and I like this, no public school teacher
0: should be forced to contradict their core beliefs in order to teach math to middle schoolers. This is according, she, she told this to the Washington Post. She said, I treat all students with respect, but the district has rejected any attempts to find a compromise that respects students without violating my convictions.
2: Well, it seems to me that the, uh, the lunatics are running the insane asylum. The school district disciplined,
0: this is according to her attorney, and I love this. The school district disciplined Miss Ricard,
2: not for something she said, but for something she couldn't say. You will be made to comply. That's really what it boils down to. You must say the things that I want you to say. And that's, it's funny because that's
0: what Jordan Peterson became famous on. Is his refusal to, uh, or it, I guess it was because he stood up against the, the new policy that they were trying to usher through that made not using uh, transgen- transgender's new pronouns, uh, it made them mandatory. And he said, you will not mandate what I am to say. You, you may not mandate that I say something, anything.
2: You may not tell me that I must say that. Because that's not free speech. So, and of course, you know this, that the that the First Amendment that protects free speech
0: protects the worst free speech because the easy free speech, the free speech that has no controversy attached to it, doesn't need protection. It has it, but it doesn't need it. It's the stuff that we don't want to have protected,
2: that we dislike. That's the stuff that needs the protection and that's what we fight for All right, so I promised you in the other segment that I was going to have to show you
0: the payoff of well, I suppose the war on innocence the 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 um, Kentucky sex ed camps, sexy sex ed camps. what does that mean? I mean, think about it, they actually call it sexy sex ed, so it is not really just about
2: education. It's about sexual pleasure and getting some. Practicing. Here's your homework. Uh, Mr. Bob will take you back to your cabin so that you can do your homework together with, with an experienced tutor. So in California... There's a mother who is taking issue with her state's public school system. Accusing it of brainwashing children about gender ideology. She's taking on the entire school system. She wants to shed some light
0: on the devastating effect it can have on these children's lives. And so she spoke at a panel at the Heritage Foundation. And um, I watched... Uh, some of it. Um, she starts out by saying her daughter was bullied at school. Kids called her ugly. Uh, she was saying that, you know, she always told her daughter, no, no, you're beautiful. And her daughter would say, but you have to say that. You're my mother. And that's often the case, right? Once she decided, once she arrived in high school, her daughter
2: decided she wanted to be a boy. But boys don't have to be pretty. That's an easy fix. Feel like you're not pretty as a girl, just be a boy, and then you don't have to be pretty. So she started uh,
0: high school, the mother says, the doors open to what she was talking about, like transgender, going to meetings, going to all the support that they think they have for these children, which is not. That's according to Martinez, the mother. She says the school counselor was involved. Um, Children and Family Services was involved. LGBT was in there also. They were all, quote, unquote, trying to help her daughter transition into being transgender. And they accused her that she didn't want to open her eyes since she felt, um, since she was a little girl, that she was a boy. But the mother says that wasn't true. She She was not even close to being a tomboy. She was the girly girl in the house. But they rewrite the history to say, oh, no, no, I've always felt this way. I just didn't know
2: I was feeling this way. Well, feelings are ephemeral. We can make them up. We make up memories often, some of us. It's
0: actually very easy to make up memories. It's it's actually very easy to instill memories in someone and have them think that they are recalling it when they don't recall. I know that. There are so many times when I see, because I modeled for so many years, and I see um, old photos, and I look at it, and it's definitely me, and I have no recollection of the photo shoot. I can't place it. I, I can't place it anywhere in the world. And then others, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that was a
2: day. Or, oh, yeah, that was fantastic. You know, I remember them vividly. So she, So the mother met with the school principal, the counselor, She says they made things worse. Her daughter uh, attempted suicide and then was placed in foster care, was removed from her mother's care and started going
0: by the name of Andrew. She says the school psychology and LGBT told Department of Child and Family Services that the daughter would be better off out of the house. They took away my daughter when she was 16 years old I tried my best to get her back, going to court every single month, she says. When I went to court, I asked the judge to please let my daughter have a psych evaluation. But since her daughter's social worker said she needed to be acknowledged as transgender, the judge denied the mother's request. Now, between you and me, I don't know what a psych evaluation would have provided because it depends entirely on who's doing the psych evaluation. If it was somebody who believed in transgender, it likely would have yielded the same result.
2: But the idea that the judge relied simply on the social worker's absurd diagnosis, non-medical diagnosis, that the daughter just needed to be acknowledged as transgender. Like, you know what? You don't try to cure alcoholism. You just tell the person, look, I understand you're an alcoholic. Alrighty then. You do you. At some point we have to understand we are not doing these people any favors. Um. So then the LGBT and the transgender community
0: pushed the daughter into doing hormone blockers and all of that stuff. And they said that this was the best time to do it because she does it right now. She'll be happy. But if she doesn't, nothing will make her happy. It'll be too late. They said, you're unhappy with your body. You hate your body. So go
2: for it fix your body but I've often said and I, I hope maybe this helps somebody out there You, the
0: idea that you are a different gender born into the
2: body that you have is so dissociative it can't help but destroy you and so the sooner that you recognize that and the fact that it's a spiritual problem It's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. The the closer you'll be to getting help, because you cannot solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. So they convinced her
0: to go through the change. And the mother urged the courts to focus on the mental health crisis rather than the gender identity issue to help her from the inside out. They weren't listening. She said what hurt her the most was she was told not to talk about God. You don't want to bring any kind of higher purpose or higher intelligence into this conversation. Because the conversation is really all about the denial of God of being a created individual. You're not, you're, you're in charge of everything you. And by the way, with that comes tremendous responsibility, which I, which I dare say is the crisis that teenagers are facing. Is as they awaken to the world, they understand the tremendous responsibility that they have for themselves, and they have no one to rely on. Whereas if you grow up understanding that God created you and ultimately bears responsibility in a sense, you, that it's a partnership, if you will, then, then there's, there's some re- relief so um, a social worker named warned Martinez that talking about God was going to make Andrew feel uncomfortable because
2: he's in danger of committing, committing suicide. See that they, they always, they always mix up. They put the cart before the horse. They, they say things out of order. That's just out of order.
0: Um, the state of Texas recently decided that the sex change procedures for children are equal to child abuse. And as a result, the largest U.S. pediatric hospital there has now canceled their puberty blocking transgender treatments for kids. But um, the transgender advocates, I I should add also that the uh, transgender advocates also have acknowledged that the majority of pre-adolescent children
2: who struggle with gender identity, will outgrow it by adulthood. But even though they acknowledge that, we're not allowed to know or support delaying
0: a decision until you reach adulthood. And by the way, the studies have now proven that young men's brains don't actually fully mature
2: until they're like 27, 28. We think we know so much. We don't. So unfortunately, this woman has experienced this and ended up losing her daughter, which is really too bad. But that's that's the cost. And I'm she's I think. She's suing. She's not suing. She's just uh, accusing them. I wonder if there's any kind of recompense. There ought to be. There. I. I know that the medical community maybe doesn't, but she's got to find some medical community members who would support her her case. Dangerous neglect. Danger. Uh, Criminal, I don't know. There must be something. There ought to be something. Because these people have power that they don't deserve, and it, it confers
0: some kind of authority that they shouldn't have. And we ought to try to fix that. All right. So we covered those two. And now uh, I hope you're seeing sort of the big picture of how this is all going to play out as we move forward. And that's why you need to get your children out of the school system. All right, that's me harping. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to the Sam Sorbo Show. I have a special guest now, Neil Mauman, who used to join me weekly on my syndicated radio show that was a weekday show, uh, joins me now. He's the co-founder of a new movement called Every Black Life Matters. He's also co-founded five different startup companies in Silicon Valley. He's an author. Um, In fact, his latest book is Does Every Black Life Matter." Um, And he's also authored 40 Days Towards a More Godly Nation, Why Only Churches Can Lead the Way to a Happier, Healthier, Safer, and Mutually Prosperous America. And also, one of my favorites is his book, Jesus Is Involved in Politics, Why Aren't You? Why isn't your church? He has 16 issued and pending patents, and uh, his areas of expertise are, strangely enough, engineering, computer, electrical, and physics. So, uh, Neil, and by the way, born in Ghana, to Indian parents, is an emigre, an emigrant an uh, to the United States. Oh, they made you laugh. Um, and so he's, he's a little bit of a walking conundrum, maybe, right? Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much. Sam. It's, uh, I missed the old days when we used to hang out every Monday. It was kind of a fun thing to do.
0: It was. I look forward to our conversations Mondays, but today we're talking about. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll reach other topics as well. But um, you started EBLM, and right. how is that going? It's by the way, it's been over a year now, right?
2: Yeah, it's
1: been a year and a half. Almost two, it'll be two years in August or September. So yeah,
2: yeah it's we, a year uh, and a half. Yeah. So. so. It's been going really well.
1: We, we've really uh, been getting a lot of attention because we're all the alternative. Of course, our, uh, our comp- competition, if you will, our counterparts are all being arrested now. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> to <laughs> see how that goes.
0: <laughs> and um, I, I imagine that you swore against using violence to get your point across.
1: Yes, it was one, it is one of our pillars is nonviolence. So, yeah, so we can't really uh, use that for anything. Although, except in the case of self-defense, so then we're okay with that. Right.
0: right. <laughs> and um, what's your position on abortion?
1: Well, if you look at our logo, I should have it as a backdrop, but I don't. But if you look at our logo, it has a baby's feet in there and the umbilical cord. Uh, so if you look at that carefully, you'll realize that we're definitely pro life. And that is actually one of our big tenets where we believe in real justice from womb to tomb, uh, as long as, as as well as active fatherhood, nuclear family or traditional family. Uh, and of course, school choice, nonviolence. And we do believe in uh, a fair amount of criminal justice reform. And we can talk about that if we have time. But that definitely is one of those stands. We do believe there is uh, unjustness in the criminal justice system.
0: So that's actually a point of um, community that you have with uh, BLM, right?
1: Yes and no, <laughs> which is funny, you know. So we both agree that qualified immunity is one of the most horrendous things that ever came down. If, if you don't know what that is, it's worth looking up. It's, it's an injustice, it's a travesty of justice. But um, where we think... Uh, things should change, uh, they don't. For instance, we think that most of the reasons why you have bad cops and bad policemen on the force is because of the government unions that prevent them from being fired. It's the same thing as the teachers' unions. You can't it, uh, you can't fire a teacher for being a bad teacher, or in some cases, they've not even been able to fire them for molesting kids yet. Uh, and we see that over and over again in the police unions. And, the, and many policemen actually confess They think this is a serious problem in their unions, but there's nothing they can do about it because the unions are so powerful. So, um, Whereas BLM is all for socialism and unions and all that stuff. So it's a very interesting dynamic there, the very problem. In fact, we could go down the line of everything that they say uh, is the problem with the black community, which we agree is the problem of the black community, like lower incomes, lower literacy rates, um, and all those things, and, and gangs and all that stuff. And uh, all of their solutions are actually the cause of the problems. And in, the same, in this case, uh, with the police unions, that's one of the causes of the problems. They tend to be more, uh, well, not, I shouldn't say they tend to be, they are Marxists. So I think it's very clear that where they stand.
0: So the, so the problem that you've identified is actually the union, but that seems to be the solution that they've identified to the same problem.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's number one. The the other problem that we've identified that they won't talk about is uh, what is famously known as the Biden crime bill, self-identified as Biden, as a Biden crime bill from 1994 and even earlier, where he actually changed the law to put black men in prison for longer for equivalent crimes that white men could do. For instance, if you were carrying a dime bag of of, um, crack, which was the chosen drug of the black community, and some say you know, there's arguments that it was actually in, introduced into the black community. Um, if you had half an ounce of crack, you would get the same punishment as owning a kilogram of co- pure cocaine, which only dealers and and traffickers would have. And so you would go to 20 years in prison for or something like that for having just half an ounce of crack cocaine. So are you a
0: person using Hold it. Hold on, you you. I think you didn't complete the thought. So if you if. If, as a black person, you had a dime bag of cocaine, you would get the same sentence as the white person having a kilo?
1: No, a kilo. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, in other words, if you had a crack, it all would depend on the crack cocaine. If it was crack cocaine, it was punished. But you had the equivalent amount in pure cocaine, like half an ounce of pure cocaine, then you would get like six months.
0: But how is, so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to see the racism because you're not using because race to tell me be, why this is a problem.
1: Be, because white kids were using powder cocaine, black kids and black youth were using crack cocaine. And that was a very cultural phenomenon, if you will. So the crack cocaine was used predominantly by the black community. And so oh, t-
0: see, I- see, I'm not up on my illicit drugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's my problem. So so that's one. And then, of course, there's a bunch of other things. Uh, Biden came on. He says he didn't want his kids to live in a racial jungle. And he said the best thing is to throw those kids into jail. And what's interesting about that, or sad about that, is when he threw some of those kids, some of those kids were fathers which uh, made it worse for the fatherlessness. Because the second problem that we see, in fact, the primary problem that we see is fatherlessness. And back in the 60s, fatherlessness in the African-American community was only about 24%. It's bad, but it wasn't horrendously bad. Uh, today it's around 74%. That's kids who want out of wedlock and fatherlessness is 64% in the black community. And that happened predominantly in the seventies and the eighties. And the reason it happened was because a man named LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, said he wanted to go after the black vote because until the sixties, the blacks or seventies. The blacks never voted for de- Democrats. They only voted Republican because the Republicans were the ones that freedom from slavery the they were the first black senator was was a republican the first black representative was republican you can go down the line uh but when they started to um when when they uh decided they want to bring the blacks over to vote for democrat what they did is they started handing out money and they started out and they started with welfare pushing welfare to the black community so the black community Was on welfare, and the way welfare is designed is to encourage fatherlessness. Why? Because if the mother, if there was a father in the home, they would get less money. So initially, the fathers would hide when the welfare workers would come by. The fathers would hide and say, "Oh no, there's no man in the house." Eventually, it became more of a liability to have a man in the house, and if that man lost his job. And it was better for the woman not to have a man in the house to get more money. And if you reward something, you're going to get more of it. And as we see, it went from 24% to 64% and 72% born out of wedlock. And oh. that is Okay, 72% <laughs> of black
0: children are born out of wedlock.
1: Yeah, and 64% have no father in the home at all. So what's interesting about that is uh, as a result of that, you get what? You get kids, young girls looking for male attention, so they get sexually active earlier, which gives you more fatherless kids. You young get, girls
0: it, who grow up without fathers look for male attention.
1: Yeah, it's it's a known fact, right? It's it's. Right. it's I mean this is not a Christian fact. This is a, a very secular fact too. And then young men who don't have a father are undisciplined, are not controlled. And so they go out, and then they're looking for male companionship, male leadership, and they join gangs. And, well, gangs can end up with the blood in the crypts, and when those, those go away, you have drugs and you have warfare and violence. And this leads right into the schools, right? So now the schools are not teaching because they're fighting all the gangs and the warfare all goes into the schools. So guess what? Back in the 30s, at the height of racism, black literacy was 70%. I mean, 70% of all Blacks should read and write efficiently at their grade level or above. Now, fast forward now today, and we look at Black literacy rate, because of the fatherlessness and the crime and the violence, Black literacy rate is 17%, if you're lucky, and 4% in Chicago schools. So what's, what's that result in? That results in blacks Black economic, uh, lower, the lowering of the economic standards, and Black make the least amount of The median wage for Blacks in America is the lowest of all the communities, all the cultures. Now, people say that's racism. It's not racism.
0: Hold on. I didn't hear what you said. The median what?
1: Income for Blacks. Oh, okay. Okay. Low is the lowest of all the communities or all the ethnicities in America. And you can't say it's because they're black, and you can't say it's because of racism, because the Nigerians and the Ghanaians, who are just as black, and I was born in Ghana, so I know a lot of these guys, their income is actually much higher than the median income of all of America. So it's got nothing to do with the color of the skin. And if you want further evidence of that, the Indians, of whom I'm ethnically Indian, we have the highest median income. In fact, our median income is something like three times the average median income of all whites and everybody else in America and something like five times more than the black, race. Right? So uh, you can see it's got nothing to do with skin color. It's got to do with the community. It's got to do with the cultural aspects. And it's, it's really got to, at the end of the day, Sam, it has to do with government. We can see I've identified government as a problem in each case. 68% of parents want their, of Black parents, want their kids out of public school. They want vouchers. But again, school unions and the Democrats won't let them have that. So guess what? Again, government is keeping them back. So if you want to talk about racism, um, it really isn't the cause of American Black problem. The real cause of American Black problem is government, bad government,
2: government-
0: so would you say that BLM is doing a tremendous disservice by, by setting up what, what we would say straw, straw men to attack instead of actually going after the, the foundational problems that exist? Absolutely. And worse,
1: they're claiming that everyone in America is a racist and they're blaming racism. Well, 20 years from now, this blaming racism is not going to solve the problem of the black community. You're going to have more fatherless kids, you're going to have less literacy, you're going to have more dependency on the government, right? Uh, and and it's going to make more things. In fact, one of the things that Be- we have to understand about BLM Be- is that they're essentially Marxists, right? They came out and said they were Marxists, and they're also Satanists, it turns out. But they're effectively Marxists. So now, as Marxists, what are they looking for? They're looking for a destruction of the American economy. And one of the ways you can do, and Marxists were, they back if you go back to the Frankfurt School to the 1930s, um, they realized they had to attack five things: one was the family, so fatherlessness, two was the educational system. The third was the economy right? and the fourth was the church and we see that through critical race theory coming into the church and all that and you see the family break up and The fifth one is they needed the destabilization of our and of the culture and the best way to do that is to bring about racism, race violence, uh, inside racial tensions. And this is nothing new. In fact, you can go back to uh, 1950s uh, in a book by, uh, Th- I think, Thomas Manning who wrote uh, Communism, uh, Color, Communism, Color, and Me or something like that. He wrote a book about it. I can't remember the exact name, but great book. He talks about exactly this. A black man who was a communist became uh, came out of it and he talks exactly what their plans were. Hasn't changed. Today. Yeah. Well, they're consistent. We can
2: at
0: least
1: yeah and they're dedicated much more dedicated than many of us yeah and
0: they and they do present moving targets which which makes be yeah. a little bit difficult um Neil, we have a homeschool conference coming up. I'm hoping that uh, a number of people who support your EBLM will be there because education is not nearly as hard as the quote unquote educators would have us think right
1: as educators want us to think right right they- they're like oh where's
0: the elite. have taught us to think it is right exactly so yeah. tell me, tell me uh, briefly talk about the conference and then we've got we got to go i got to take a break
2: but
1: okay so our conference is in San Jose California on June 11th It's an all day conference and we will, uh, we will make sure that all, if you listen to Sam, we'll make sure that you get information on it. Our key speaker is Sam. So if you haven't met Sam in person, this is your chance to meet her. We've got a number of other educators, uh, homeschool educators coming. But basically, the, the goal of this conference is twofold. One, to teach parents who, because we've seen thousands and thousands, I don't know what the, the percentages of, of parents who are now looking at homeschool. We want to teach you that this is not rocket science. It is actually something that you're well-equipped to do, and, and Sam's the, the queen of being able to tell you how to do that because she has got some great books and resources out there. But more than that, we also want to bring the community together and encourage you and say, look, if you join the homeschool community, we are here to help you. And as a homeschooling dad myself, um, I can tell you that this is a great community to be in. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: very nicely
1: said. Really, really Oh, nice. right, it's in San Jose. Sorry, it's in San Jose, California, if I didn't say that.
0: Yep. Yep, you led that. So San Jose, June 11th, and uh, it's an all-day event. You don't want to miss it because it will be exciting. Neil and thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Where do people find you?
1: You can find me at www.everyblm.com. So everyblm.com. You can also find us at vac.org. That's the organization that will be hosting the conference. And you can find my own stuff at uh, JesusIsInvolvedInPolitics.com. There's lots of stuff there. Thanks
0: for listening. This is the Sam Swobo Show. You can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash-out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you could unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started.
1: Rocket. Rates current as a 12 21 Call for cost information and conditions.
2: Equal housing later. Licensed in all 50 states. Anomalous consumer access. Not over 3030. Call 800 for disclosures and cost information.